0: Hey guys, welcome back to A Breath of Fresh Faith. Today I have my good friend Greg on. Greg, why don't you let them know a little bit about yourself?
1: Well, hey, uh, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me here on your podcast. Yeah, um, uh, like you said, my name is Greg Fisher. I'm currently a PhD student at Lee University as well as an adjunct faculty. And I'm also a therapist uh, in Cleveland and an office in Chattanooga.
0: Wow. Well, okay, so the reason why I have Greg on today is I feel like he is a wealth of knowledge when he wants to be, and, <laughs> I, and I feel like he has some, you know, different views than people I know about some variety of topics, and so, Greg, so a fun fact about you is that you don't have social media. Is that, so <laughs>
1: Is that a fun fact? Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Um, social media... Uh, I certainly had some at, at one time or another. Really, I just did Facebook. Um, I, I got Facebook back in when I was an undergrad. Mm-hmm. This is back when you had to have a college email to even have a Facebook. And I had it for, I don't know, a decade or more. But um, And I never really got any other social media after that, any of these other options. Didn't really <laughs> care to. But eventually, I, I even deleted Facebook because... And I get a lot of questions on this sometimes from friends and they have all these arguments of reasons to have it. And so I think the best answer of why I don't is simply, I think the cons of social media outweigh the pros. The pros definitely exist. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, yeah, there's some good things to it, but I just personally decided I, I've enjoyed my life better without it. I, I really do. Um... You know, we all talk about, like, oh, the addiction of, like, we look at it too much. But I think even beyond that, of, I think it becomes, like, a pseudo-connection. Even though people mm-hmm. use that word, like, oh, you know, social media helps you connect. I'm like, well, what do we even mean by connect? Like, through these followers or friends, whatever you call them. Um, there's not necessarily any more depth of connection as far as real relationship. Now, there could be. Mm-hmm. Some people use it right to actually communicate and, you know, good for you. You keep in touch with some people. Great. But I was finding that, um, you know, I had all these people on my Facebook that I haven't really talked to in five, seven, maybe even ten years. But I've seen pictures of the wedding, seen that their kid just lost a tooth and I saw the dessert they <laughs> ate last night. Yeah. But, you know, that, that's not relationship. And I think it's a real detriment to culture how we think we're connected we're actually not connected at all.
0: It's true.
1: We were, we were just chatting about eating healthy even before <laughs> we started and how we're, we're, uh, Hannah and I are both big fans of that. I think social media is like a diet of desserts. Like, yeah, it's- I like that. Right, like, yeah, it's fun. It certainly tastes good. And, and there's you know, some good things to it. There's t- time to have a dessert, you know? But you can't have a diet of that. You can't, like, there's no substance there. There's no nutrition and uh I, th- I think the same and so i yeah i just kind of realized one day like i don't want this and i deleted it i did bring it back funny enough this past year i i had covid and i was stuck and locked in my house for 14 days so mm-hmm. bored out of my mind i was like you know what it's been two years let's see what's <laughs> going on in- on facebook so
0: anything's changed or-
1: yeah yeah if anything's changed or just like may- maybe you know it's a good experiment to go to the- two years without it Whew, what a year to get back on facebook right I had um,
0: the worst year to get on Facebook. Honestly, absolutely,
1: yeah. <laughs> and I, I think I had it a month or two, and I was like, no, I've had enough. And it was just, just like beyond not only not helpful, it was it was damaging to just to just even look like it was just so full of hate, and uh, I, just, I just don't want that in my life. So I, I deleted it. I doubt I'll ever go back.
0: Do you feel like you could be with someone that is on social media or has like technology?
1: Be with someone like. Yeah. Yeah. Or like. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 I, I, I'm sure. I, I wouldn't have a big problem. You know, if if uh, she had that. Um, I'm not opposed. I, I don't think it's like morally wrong to. I would have a problem though if if it was a real distraction. Um, if it was a real issue. You know, like the kind the level of addiction that uh, people talk about now to uh, social media and phones in general. Um, I, I would want her to be aware of even. Even things that were raised by the documentary, Social Dilemma. I know that that came out, a lot of people talk about that, of, of how our social media platforms become echo chambers and just solidify the way we want to think rather than um, exercise thinking in itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so no. But just, just because she has <laughs> a, a, a social media of any kind is not a deal breaker, no.
0: <laughs> Plus, I thought that'd be really hard to find someone that doesn't nowadays. Yeah, you're, you know? probably,
1: you're probably true. Most people have social media. It's true.
0: Even the old folks.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay, so so ask someone that doesn't really heavily use well, you don't use it at all. But do you have any tips for people that like want to have a balance between like life and like being on their phone? Anything that maybe you could impart on them?
1: Ah, uh, like breaking the, the phone addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's part of it. Is get rid of these these things that are uh, not fruitful. Um, and I know I'm sure a lot of people are gonna argue that there is some fruit coming out of social media. And hey, if, if y'all wanna keep it, go for it. But yeah, I would I would limit down just the apps we don't need. There there's so many things we think we need that we don't. Um and listen, I mean I have a smartphone and, and there's a lot of stuff I use, you know, calendars to do lists, like it does help me organize and and what I need because um, there have been times I just want to go straight to a, back to a flip phone. It's true. But, I, but what keeps me is some of the utility of it. You know, it really is convenient and really is a tool. But, but make, make sure it stays that. stays a tool. Um, one, one of the biggest things I do is uh, try to leave my phone. Plate. If I'm going like, to a restaurant, leave it in the car. I don't need it in there. I try to leave it uh, down charging in my kitchen at night. I don't try to take it uh, up to my room. Um, just a few things like that to be intentional. I think can really help us uh, also like when you're with some be with somebody mm-hmm. like talk to them engage with them don't be thinking about where everybody else is and that kind of thing
0: And it's a problem though is that people don't know how to interact or socialize yeah. so they just yeah. the comfort is to be on their phone
1: absolutely so even back to my dessert analogy because because that's what it ends up doing even when you are sitting in front of somebody the opportunity for some nutrition some healthy things we need for relational for, for healthy relationships the temptation is to keep getting distracted and, and it coming in between that so not only is it um pseudo relationship itself but it's starting to rob and, and take from us a real relationship that's where it's a real problem and and i i know way too many people and i see way too many clients that uh the phone is a real issue a real issue between families and couples and and even even building relationships and friendships
0: that's good so has technology had an influence on like your view on love or finding love
1: mm. yeah I mean I mean that, that's the trick nowadays isn't it you know when um, because I think most people my age single my age or generation have done the dating app the the, the dating app or dating website it to, to some degree you know and, and some some rave about it and uh, talk about success and I know couples who've met and got married and through that, great. You know, that's I'm awesome that they're use, utilizing that tool. Um, I, I'm cautious though, because it, um, you know, the foundation of a strong romantic relationship, eventual marriage, you know, that idea has to be friendship. And what I worry about, particularly more of these apps, which they have a, a, the hookup app connotation, but the, the, the swipe one way or the other, is that it's based on a picture. And now granted, if you meet somebody in real life, obviously you see what they look like too. And attraction is important and I get all that. But, but being solely like, I, I don't know, I, I think it starts the whole thing on the wrong foot.
0: Really, like no substance at all. Yeah,
1: yeah. And then personally, I've always been bad. Like I, I don't build relationship texting or, or messaging like that. Like, I'm, I mean, let's get a cup of coffee. Yeah, I love to talk and, you know, but um, that's always been... And I think it really is 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 a trouble, because uh, I, I, because the same habit that we have, like oh, don't like that person, swipe left. I think we get in that habit even with relationships, like dating. Oh, I'm gonna move on too quickly. Um, but yeah, it's a whole nother can of worms.
0: <laughs> you can open if you want to. it's up to you.
1: Well, I mean, it's just going into our whole dating culture. So, even before the technology piece, the social media and the online dating aspect came in, we were already in a culture of very like consumerism entering our dating, right? So, it was what do I want to shop around for? What is my perfect match? Which, okay, reasonable questions to some degree, you know, but became this, um, you know, we'll drop somebody too quickly to move on to whatever it may be.
0: The next best thing. The next best thing, next
1: thing. Chasing the dream that doesn't really exist. The ideal and blah, blah, blah. All that stuff. When, when I think sets up, um, I think it can set us up for not sustainable marriages. Uh, a mentality that when, when things are hard, tough, or difficult, our, our habit is to drop. Our habit is to, oh, let's move on to the next thing. Um, yeah.
0: That's good. Okay, so more on like a lighter, like fun note, since, you know, uh, you have a TV, I'm at his house right now, so he has a TV, so you watch TV. Mm-hmm. So what would you say is like your favorite TV show or movie and why?
1: Oh, uh, yeah. Um, I don't have a whole lot of time to watch a lot of stuff right now. Um, I, I am a big uh, film uh, fan of film I do love movies um I try to see uh, anything up for like the big awards every year um my all time favorite movie is uh a movie called hero it's i, I know no one's ever heard of it um it's uh, actually a chinese film you have to watch the subtitles um but it's oh, it's, it's amazing when it, when it starts it just seems like a typical um martial arts flick and there there's a lot of that but it does a whole lot with Color like the cinematography is, is just amazing and then by the end at the point and the message is so deep it oh it gets you every time
0: it's That's good awesome. One. you should look it up I will All right. I'm not it's funny because like for you like you're not like really on social media but for me it's like TV I'm like what even is TV like I'll like watch a show or like a movie here and there but definitely not like our culture is like submersed like Netflix and hmm. Hulu and stuff it's just I'm more of a reader to read.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. What are you reading right now?
0: Right now, the Bible. You know, I'm really getting right. deep, deep into that. Um, and there's, like, a book by, like, Sadie Robertson. Mm-hmm. I love her. She has a book called, like, Live. And it's just really good depiction of, like, you know, she shares a little bit about, like, her struggles, like, her life. And then just, like, what does it actually mean to live? Like, what's the definition of living? And, yeah.
1: That's cool. Right now, I'm reading C.S. Lewis's The Four Loves you read that or one?
0: That book you were t- showed me the other day.
1: Yeah, yeah. I haven't read it. Yeah, I'm in the chapter on friendship. That's the second love he identifies. And one of the first things he says is, we in the modern culture do not understand this love. We, he says, um, we run to the romantic love, as uh, C.S. Lewis calls Eros in this book. Um, and we kind of understand some of the others. He identifies charity and affection and whatnot. But friendship, even though we use that word, he says, we really don't understand what it means. And he points out how every uh, like generation has had their version of Romeo and Juliet or Tristan and he's old. You know, these kind of like romantic stories. And, and our culture definitely loves those romantic kind of tales. But he was like, when have we seen in like modern times, like a Jonathan David, uh, like, like that kind of like brotherly connection. And uh, it's a real detriment to our society is what Lewis is saying and granted he's writing this what, is it 60 80 years ago I don't know when he re- released this one um, but I, I just think it's so relevant even to what we we're just talking about social media you know calling people that were connected to connection um, on the social media platforms they're called friends but what but realistically that's that's not a friend in, in the terms of like how CS Lewis is using this word um, yeah, it's a good book. I highly recommend it.
0: I have to read. Oh, it's my list. Yeah. Like I have like a whole like. Library <laughs> You're just in, in grad school. You
1: know, you have plenty of time right now to read. So. Yeah,
0: like I bought like a ton of like leisurely books, like the three books you told me about, and I have like a whole stack. Like I have like a whole library in my room, and all of them are like psychology books that are like yeah. ones I want to read, and i probably cracked into a solid like ten of them. Awesome. And so. You know I have a lot to choose from, so I'll add that. I'll have to add that to my collection. All right. Okay, so what is the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? I'm still in this question from Sadie Robertson. She asks like every person on our podcast this, or even a quote that's like changed your life or challenged your life. Do you Mm. have any?
1: One of my favorite quotes is um, it's attributed to Mother Teresa. She said, uh, "God didn't call us to be successful." He called us to be faithful, and I. Not only is that, as the quote is used often, to kind of veer us away from this ambition, this idea we got to achieve, into like no, we just got to be, you know, and be and be ourselves and be ourselves who God created us to be, that kind of thing. Um, But it is also a way to. um, Well, it's a way to handle failure uh when uh rather than define ourselves by our mistakes, our stumbles, just to say like i can't fix the past and what I did or didn't do, but I can continually as the best of my ability keep being faithful um so that that's always been one of my favorites it's written, <laughs> I wrote it up on my wall upstairs it's uh <laughs> so I read it just about every morning just to remind like just keep keep trucking, you know you
0: and writing on the walls—it seems like a theme.
1: I do that a I lot. Mean. Yeah, yeah. I painted with uh, a <laughs> chalkboard. There's a chalkboard paint, and so just with a uh, chalk, I can write all over my walls. I like that, every it's every like four-year-old's dream, right? Three yeah, all, literally, Write all, all over the walls.
0: You gotta have some form of like childlikeness, you know, yeah. to keep life in entertaining. Okay, so we're gonna kind of like segue to talking about faith, since you've been bringing up some good points that kind of talk about faith. So. We're just gonna dive in. So, as a Christian man, how hard is it to be distinguished or set apart from the world when it comes to terms on your stance and like purity, use of women, and like masculinity? And that's very loaded. So Hmm. you can unpack however you want.
1: Yeah, that is uh, (laughs) that is very (laughs) loaded. Ah, where do you even begin on all that? Um. I think culture, including the Christian culture, is really confused on a lot of that right now. It's, and that's not, and that's not just masculinity. I think women are just as confused. Oh, for sure. um, On what even is a godly man or godly woman or godly person? Um, Those those questions have been, um, you know, first I think we allowed them to be shaken by like a secular culture, but then it really has come in to a level i'm like torn sometimes because to a level it's it's good that we're asking some of these things but to another level it's it's uh well the expression you know throwing the baby out with the bathwater idea like i think we're losing some good things while we're throwing out some some bad um yeah so I, I i do think it's important to ask these questions and keep talking and kind of to chisel those things out but i i do get alarmed sometimes at how flippantly we we um how flippantly we can lose some of the foundation and tradition in our faith, our churches, our organizations. You know, a minute ago, in a question where I answered with my favorite quote, mm-hmm. I think you were also about to ask me, what, would I, what advice would I give? Mm-hmm. And that right there, it, it ties into this of the biggest advice I give to young people is to find a mentor. D- to find a mentor in the faith Find a, another mentor like that's in the career you want to go into. Find a mentor that is doing what you want to do in life. I mean, so if there's somebody who's like, you know, if if you want to be married and have kids someday, and you have somebody who really respect their family, get around that person. You know, like, and particularly an idea of this mentor should be a, a several decades older than you. Like that that that's my main heart. There is is con- reconnecting these generations. You know. Earlier, hand, we were chatting about, I used the term hipster churches. You know, I have this, I have this real caution with all these, these churches that, that were divided by generation. You know, you hear of a church and they're like, oh, that's an older crowd goes there. And, and another church, like, oh, yeah, a lot of young people there. And there's not a lot of, mix. there certainly is some, and I'm always glad to see that. But by and large, I'm seeing us divided that way. And that's, that's, that's alarming, it's scary, but it's also just sad to me because we're, we're losing a lot. We're missing out on a lot.
0: And plus it's not blending, even if they are there. It's like you can still distinguish. Really,
1: yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's been the model for years. Like the family walks into the church, and the first thing we do is split them all up. You know, mm-hmm. children, youth, and blah, blah, blah. Not exclusively. There are times you know, many churches have families together, and I think that's great. Um, and we probably do need times to be in our peer group. But uh, I, I would really like to see more generations coming together. You know, when I was a, a pastor this a little while ago, um, I, I didn't do a lot of things well, but one of the best things I did is I had, for one of our services, I just had, I, I was a college young adult pastor. I had one of the um, member of our adult congregation, he, he served on the church board at, at the time, I think, and his wife, and they, they like led part of leading worship, and they're great people, they're great people i had them come and just talk to my college students young adults about what marriage is it was one of the best nights we ever had and, and funny enough and i had nothing to do with it you know i didn't preach um but like still like some of my students had mentioned it uh former students you know whoever ones i still keep in touch with have mentioned like looking back of like how much that shaped them and how they saw like even what what godly marriage is, even th- these questions of what godly men and women are, you know, like that was even brought up and talked about, and and I, there's something to that. Of even though I was maybe a decade older than these college kids, it was something about getting these guys in here uh, that all were a couple decades, if not three, or four. Actually, don't even know how old they are, but but a generation ahead, you know. Uh, the trailblazer in a sense that have been there before and can come back and say, "This is what I have to tell you," and and there are plenty of of men and women in that generation hungry to tell their stories and um, hungry and willing. They're just looking for young ears to listen, and so really, that's all I did is, is I provided a place to listen. You know, like the twenty kids there that night, whatever, were just open and ready. And and it is awesome. And so, that's that, so cool. yeah. I would love to see more of that.
0: That's good. Okay, more so like towards like the masculinity piece because mm-hmm. I feel like it's something that's like heavily talked about, especially like we could both go to Lee. Like yeah. our Christian University liberal arts school. And I feel like there's a lot of like super hard opinions on both ends of the spectrum of about masculinity. But for you, like do you feel like pressure like, to conform to, like, what masculinity has become, like, that is defined as society. Like, that society is defined.
1: Hmm. How would you say society is defining masculinity?
0: We don't have time for that.
1: Okay. (laughs) (laughs) We have
0: a whole podcast just on that.
1: Gotcha. Um, Well, so the short answer is yes, I feel pressure. I mean, all the time, uh, just, like, walking in a room, you know, if it's, you know, people I know that lean one way or the other, like, you do feel that to be certain things conform to certain things but i have just continually tried to find who i am in my identity in christ and i think that's the real answer rather than like caring what people think to a healthy level or or, or certainly trying to conform to what culture you know, is saying but just to find uh who i am yeah out of my faith really
0: do you feel like that you had like good mentors growing up? Like you said, you talked about how that's mm-hmm. important. But like, did you have like good examples of godly men? Or because I know for some people it's either they didn't have any, sure. So they felt a need to like when they're older to like you know really steward find like stewardship. But like, did you have that growing up?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm so thankful for his. He was my teacher. I went to a Christian school. Um, and his name was Mr. Shu, is what I called him, but he's no longer a teacher, he's a pastor now, so he goes by Pastor Buddy. But he, uh, I think it was my sophomore year of high school, just kind of came um, came up to me, He's was like, just chatting, whatever I, what I was going through, I just remember him asking, Greg, how can I help your life, you know,
0: and- Like <laughs> that's a loaded question. <laughs> right, you know, yeah. but, and
1: I, I'm so glad my answer came as like, can we just meet like once a week over coffee and just talk? And he was like, done, you know, and that, that's, mm-hmm. that's what I needed. That's the way I'm, I was wired. And finally, so now I'm a therapist, you know, like finally figured out, figured out my calling. How that works. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm very thankful for him coming along and it was a lot of conversations of what is God and what is, what is a godly man? And even kind of that uh, getting, sh- getting shaped out and kind of chiseled out my life. Uh, later on in, in college, then um, I, I really got close with Dr. Ricky Moore. Um, and anyone in the least scene probably knows who that is. He's, uh, uh, associate dean of the school religion and just just uh, like just I call him the Gandalf of my life because he's <laughs> has such a heart for young people in, in our generation I mean he's given his life you know to teaching and mentoring and shaping that and so um yeah, yeah, I've, and, I, and I've had a few others, like just great men that have uh, been so so kind with their time and, and poured into me and spoken to me, and and I, and I think that's essential. Like I wouldn't be here today without them. And so again, this is why that is my advice to young people. Rather than cut off that generation who who the world is telling us are they're they're too conservative or too slow or too backwards or too old you know old school ways of thinking. Even if you don't completely agree, there is some wealth and some wisdom to pull from and I really hate to see young people missing out on that.
0: That's good. But okay, but for purity, cuz yeah. you didn't really touch on that. Right. But so as you know, as a man, you know, there's temptations, definitely from the world or everywhere, you know, on your phone, internet, TV, whatever. And not even like on social media, technology, but like for you, how is that how do you navigate that up until this point in your life?
1: Yeah. No, I mean that that is the real question. Actually, as a therapist, I deal with this a lot um it's one of the most predominant um coming up at least to my clients because cuz i mean i advertise as i work with sexual addiction and, and uh and these kind of problems so um but it is it, like like look at porn and uh other even like chatting kind of thing online is probably the most predominant thing coming up with the the couples i see in the, the work i do um and that comes from even even like my story and background of i mean uh, I mean, I've struggled with all of that. I um, And I got to this place, like, adamant that, like, I don't want that in my life. So, no, like, I, yes, I have a TV and a phone and an uh, iPad. I have every restriction and every kind of, like, um, filter. S- filter and software, you know, that there, that there is. Um, just because, like, I, I want to cover all my bases, at least practically, uh, do everything I can to, to rid that of my life. Um, yeah, because it is not healthy. It's, it's just not. There's, there's more and more language where, you know, like, oh, you know, maybe there's a place for porn even in, in a relationship. And, and I, I just disagree. I, I have yet to see any research that really backs that up. I've yet to even really know a couple that at least given enough time that it doesn't become an issue. Um, and so, yeah, I firmly believe uh, and I firmly believe you can live without that. I, I, I think with, because um, there's a lot of, lot of talk these days too, because, as, as you said, it's literally everywhere, literally like in our hands with, mm-hmm. the, uh, with the, the iPhone there all the time. Um, but I do believe you can be, can be free and, and be set free from some of that. Um, yeah, and I truly wish that for our generation.
0: And for girls too. For like sure. It's not it is, about.
1: Well said. It is not just a, a male problem. Um, that's very true. Yeah.
0: Especially like at Lee, our school, that I know we keep re- referencing it, but I remember, like, I dealt with some of the same struggles that you did. Yeah. Like, and I was like, as a woman, especially in the church, you're like, no one talks about it. It's all yeah. about the, you know, events targeted towards guys. Like, let's talk yeah. about sex and stuff like that, or even just about porn. And then it's like, okay, well, we're dumb and naive enough to think that like not everyone's exposed to that or even has sexual desires. Like, sure. you know, we're human beings were wired, you know, to procreate, you know? And oh, so, yeah. and like even talking to like, I remember when I was struggling with it, I felt like, you know, so alone, like no one could relate. And then like when I like the Lord like delivered me of that and I was like very open about it with, like my friends, like majority of all of them, like we're dealing with the same thing, if wow. not more. Wow. Yeah. And it was like crazy how they were like, I didn't even know girls struggled with that or that they even Mm -hmm. like watched it or even that it was okay to even think about sex, which is crazy. Yeah. And I was like, and so I just feel like, you know, I wanted a guy perspective on it because Mm -hmm. it is a big issue, but it's for both.
1: It really is. I I mean, so, you know, I was in the youth groups of America in early two thousands. Right. And that's when, you know, accountability partner was a buzzword, you know, that Mm -hmm. that came out of the nineties, I think. And, um, and so I remember several times, like, going to, you know, whether a night at youth group or a seminar or something, and they split guys and girls. Guys had the porn talk. Girls had the body image talk. Mm-hmm. And now looking back, I'm like, like, really, both <laughs> those talks should be with both genders. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like, they're not exclusive that way. Um, yeah, and so also, you know, the, the accountability partner idea, uh, it became this whole... Because I really hate that term now. Just because it beca- what it became. I think it had some good intentions. What it became, though, was just um, at least at least in the guy world uh, of like, well, did you mess up? Yeah. Well, I did too. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, it wasn't this like real path to freedom. And so even in some of the work I do, so for example, I have a men's um, group therapy. We meet weekly um, centered around a certain issue, like men that deal with or struggle with uh, porn or any kind of sexual addiction or sexual struggle and and so in a way accountability is a piece but it's it's not exclusive it what it really is is like a place to be open vulnerable here you mentioned this a minute ago of the me too of it to sit with somebody else be like oh i'm not alone in this struggle that's some of the biggest power to take to take that away yeah um yeah no so i'm really passionate about about seeing some of that because uh uh yeah i think it's been handled poorly
0: and just like what you said about even like accountability partners, it's like mm-hmm. in a way even enabling each other to continue to do it because it's oh, like sure. if one person isn't, you know, not dealing with it, then how could they even get it out? Of, you know, get you out of that. If that's something that they're also dealing with as well, you know? Yeah. It's a hard place. Yeah. Well, okay. So I feel like we're going to, we're going to have to stop here and do a okay. part two. Cause I feel like we could talk, you know, all day. Yeah. You know? So this will definitely not be the last podcast. That you hear Greg on. Hopefully, if he agrees to continue to record. <laughs> so, Greg. <laughs> so, you know, I typically like pray. Finish up with prayer. So, do you care to lead us in prayer?
1: Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah. Yeah, Father, uh I just thank you uh, above all. Just, just what you're doing. Just in the circles we are, whether it's Lee Cleveland ministry, in Hannah's life, in my life, you are faithful. You are faithful, and we we love that, and and thank you for that, and. And uh, forgive us for forgetting it. Father, I just pray over this uh, podcast, even this conversation, from technology to uh, porn, lust, and uh, purity, to church and youth group, all the things Just we discuss, ultimately ask that your truth would be enlightened. and Lord, you, you would really teach all of us. Continue to, to teach me, continue to teach Hannah, that we grow and as we learn. And yeah, we love you and trust you in your name. Amen. Yeah.
0: Thanks, Greg, for coming on. Yeah, I'm thanks for having me. Our schedules actually aligned. I and know, this finally, this actually happened. But all right, guys, we'll we'll be back, we will be back soon. Bye.